Global Crisis Bible Prophecy Health and Preparedness You're just in time. 11th Hour Dispatch Father in heaven, we ask in prayer right now for your Holy Spirit to be sent to each one of us. May we understand and discern the signs of the times in which we live so that we can have a greater confidence in your word, knowing that the prophecies are fulfilled all around us throughout history and those ones yet to remain are coming soon. Please give us a hope and an anticipation for the great second coming of Christ. And in the times in which we live now, please give us a peace that transcends all understanding. And help us to know and understand your word. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome to 11th Hour Dispatch. I am Scott Ritzema, your host for this 30 minutes of news and information, current events, world events, but from a biblical standpoint, so that we can understand the prophetic implications of the news headlines, a lot of which are very negative, bad, sad things happening in our world. You know, the Bible says that the signs of the times are like birth pangs. They're not pleasurable. But they bring about and they lead us toward a pleasurable moment. In the analogy, the birth of a baby. In reality of prophecy, the second coming of Jesus Christ after the signs of the times intensify and bring a lot of the beginnings of sorrows will end with joy. As Jesus said, joy comes in the morning. Rejoicing comes in the morning. But they're certainly not rejoicing for the policemen who've been shot recently, uh, recent Sunday, four separate shootings in one day throughout the country, and then a fifth. One of them shot to death, the other's critically wounded, and these racially tinged AFP reports coinciding with an epidemic of racially tinged gun violence involving law enforcement. Very sad thing, and I saw this just raucous crowd on a YouTube clip walking down the street chanting, what's better than three dead cops? They say four dead cops, and then they go, what's better than four? And these horrible things, I don't even want to repeat. It's evil from the devil who was a murderer from the beginning. And the chants and the actions are taking place, and, and this on a, on, a, on a micro level, although it's earth-shattering and just life-altering for the families of these police officers, but those are a handful of individual examples How about the potential for nuclear exchanges? AP reports Pakistani Air Force chief warns India against full-scale war. Let me reread that headline and insert another couple of words that should be there. AP reports nuclear-armed Pakistani Air Force chief warns India against full-scale war, nuclear-armed, that is. So we've got the potential for a hot spot of geopolitical intensification that could boil over and has for some time held the specter of the possibility of a major incident beginning in the Kashmir region there between India and the border of India and Pakistan, the disputed territories there. Who knows where that will go, but that's on the heels of other news that we've actually seen a decline in the threat and the DEFCON uh, defense condition nuclear threat level. After Donald Trump was elected, uh, 
the defense condition was reduced to the safe, safest level. In other words, the likelihood for nuclear war in World War III and war with Russia has gone down. So that was UK Express reports. America's DEFCON warning level has been reduced to its safest threat level possible following Donald Trump's shock presidential election win. Now, on the flip side, however, you know, the Trump White House apparently will ease tensions with Russia in a sort of detente, if you will. But there's an increasing war of words with another nuclear armed global power, and that is China. So who knows what direction things will go? We know biblically there will be an increase in global geopolitical tensions that will culminate in massive events that usher in the final crisis and the final deception and persecution, which leads to the wonderful, hopeful events that we keep our eyes fixed on, and that is the second coming of Jesus Christ. But in the meantime, this earth is wasting away as a garment. It's growing old, waxing old as a garment. The the earth itself, the creation itself groans, awaiting its redemption, Wildfires tear across Israel, Reuters reports. And then how about this one? A strong earthquake off the Pacific coast of Central America shook the region on Thursday and triggered a tsunami warning just as a hurricane barreled into the Caribbean coasts of Nicaragua and Costa Rica. A hurricane and an earthquake with a tsunami warning all at once. 7.0 magnitude, massive earthquake. That is not a uh, natural disaster to scoff at. I mean, these are serious intensifications that we're seeing right again on the heels of the near miss at the Fukushima uh, Japanese coast of another potential tsunami event. We're dodging bullets here left and right, if you will. And it's only a matter of time before the perfect storm, I mean that symbolically but also literally, takes place upon the earth. The question we have to ask ourselves, as we do every time we think through world events and the news headlines, is, are we ready? Are we right with Jesus Christ? And that's not some fearful message like, you know, there's some pressure here. No, it's a joy. It's a relief to be able to look to him, to let go of our sins, to receive forgiveness and unmerited grace from him. Past, present, and future, his loving embrace takes us as his own embraces us around his robe of righteousness that we can be called sons of God. What a beautiful gospel truth in the midst of all of the world chaos that emerges in the last days. We can have peace above that storm, so to speak. And then literally we will be above this earth. When he comes, we're taken up. We're taken up into the air to meet the dead loved ones who are raised from the dead, to meet with Jesus in the air, literally. I can't wait for that. That's going to be a really exciting event. This one from the Catholic publication, Crux, is the name of the news outlet. Their headline about the Trump election is this. Trump could awaken the sleeping giant of American Catholic unity. And by American, it means North America and South America, Western Hemispheric unity unity of all of the Catholic churches and cultures and peoples of this hemisphere. Let me read to you a portion of the article. It says, assuming he goes through with his pledges, meaning shutting down illegal immigration, even 
building a wall, all of these things that he has said that the Pope has rebuked. And he said, we don't want walls and we want open immigration to open our hearts and open our borders. We want one world, not nationalism. We want globalism, not nationalism. We want one religion, all Christians merging into one ecumenical body. Well, Trump, on the other hand, says Americanism, not globalism, will be our credo. So he's preaching the opposite of what the Pope is preaching in terms of nation states versus globalism. Uh, immigration enforcement and and sealed borders versus open arms and open borders and open hearts, as, as the Pope called it. So you've got a head-butting experience between these two. You might remember over the past year during the campaign where the Pope came out and criticized a U.S. presidential candidate. That's unprecedented. I mean, that was really a, a big, big pivot, a big move in the history of religio-political relations. But, of course, if Trump positions himself as an opponent of Pope Francis, then, then the article here, the Catholic article, is saying Trump could awaken the sleeping giant of unity within Catholicism. There are signs that the sleeping giant of intercontinental Catholic unity is beginning to awaken, it says. So we'll see if ecumenism increases its pace and clip as we move toward the final fulfillment of Revelation 13, which leads us to Revelation 14 and the second coming of Jesus Christ after the three angels' messages are preached. Now, speaking of the Trump phenomenon. This is not only interesting from a political science standpoint, which I studied in my my graduate programs and taught U.S. government. It's fascinating from a historical perspective. These are historic changes, really revolutionary things happening in the world with the Brexit and so on. And so these are interesting from those standpoints, but also what's what's maybe the most surprising aspect about the Trump election is the cultural phenomenon of of the divisiveness and the strange things that I'm seeing. This is from Inside Sources. An email sent earlier this week and shared with Inside Sources was from a college, from a course administrator, who asked the, the graduate teaching assistants at this college for writing courses to gather a meeting quote, wherein we could discuss ways to use the various composition curricula, so the composition classes, to help prepare our students for life under what they called an avowed white supremacist presidential administration. They call it the Trump syllabus. How will we address the critical subjects? I'm reading from the email at this university collecting the students to brainstorm about how they can have a Trump syllabus in their writing courses to prepare for a white supremacist president, is what they call him. They say, we will address the critical subjects of racism, sexism, and xenophobia on which Trump has built his candidacy. Now, you see the demonstrators out there, and they say, Donald Trump is a racist and and, and a homophobic anti-LGBT president and you've got traffic being blocked. There was a four-year-old girl a couple of weeks ago who died because the ambulance was diverted for 45 minutes because of the protests. Some people around the country being beat up for, for supporting Donald 
Trump. Now, wherever your position is on, that's not the issue. This isn't a political show where we take one side or the other. But we would all agree that beating somebody up because they are a supporter of a certain candidate is not okay. And this this kind of thing is on the rise. And I want I want to think about I want to speak to the demonstrators and the people that are so angry and protesting and all of this. You might not know this, so I want to help you understand this, that you actually have, if you're from the the left-wing mindset of homosexuality, LGBT, etc., you have one of your own as president. You have a rainbow flag promoting and waving, gay marriage promoting, open bathroom policy promoting president. Of anybody, I would expect to see maybe conservative right-wing religious right people protesting. These are actual facts about the new president-elect of the United States. Donald Trump famously was the first candidate to wave a rainbow flag and hold it up. Of course, there are many other examples that we'll talk about when we get back from the break, but... Also, a lot of these demonstrators are anti-war people, right? They're, they're anti-war demonstrators. Again, that was the Donald Trump position. He was, you know, the one against the Iraq war with Hillary Clinton being the one that had favored it. And as we mentioned with Russia, not wanting to overthrow governments in the Middle East, etc. So I want to continue after the break. It's kind of setting the record for demonstrators. Maybe everybody can take a deep breath when you realize who the person is that's been elected. Or maybe conservatives will get mad, but we'll be right back. You're listening to 11th Hour Dispatch with author, teacher and speaker Scott Ritzmer. For more programs and information, visit 11thHourDispatch.com. Kids in America now log 53 hours of screen time per week. Yes, that's about eight hours per day. In Europe, it's literally against the law to air television programs on the public airwaves that are aimed at children under three years old. But America's littlest children now spend, on average, 32 hours per week watching TV. It's been estimated that the average child will spend more time watching TV by the age of six than conversing with his father in his entire life. At every church I speak at, folks say the same thing. Scott, why didn't anybody tell us this before? So, folks, grab a pencil and write this down. Media on the Brain. It's a six-DVD series that will arm you with the vital information on the undeniable effects of entertainment media and how to break free. Visit 11thHourDispatch.com. Use promo code RADIO for a reduced suggested donation rate. Wonderful, merciful Savior, precious Redeemer and friend, who would have thought that a lamb could rescue the souls of men? Oh, you rescue the souls of men. And we're back. This is 11th Hour Dispatch. I'm Scott Ritzema, your host. The website is 11thHourDispatch.com. And we're talking about a lot of news and world events today. But as a, as a matter of commentary, to help us come to terms as a broader society I, uh, with 
with the divisive issues and the divisions that are taking place and angry people and demonstrations and accusations of Donald Trump being a white supremacist and all of this, in many ways, the whole political spectrum has been flipped upside down. And it's a very strange phenomenon from a cultural standpoint with what you would call cognitive dissonance taking place with a belief system of he is a white supremacist not borne out in the facts, whether you like or dislike the president, the president-elect's policies or whether you voted for him or whatever party you are, not an issue in this conversation. We want to just help the people who are causing quite a bit of unrest and a lot of negativity with these demonstrations and violence in many cases to understand that this is a pro-LGBT president-elect, Donald Trump, Promotes gay marriage. He says the Supreme Court has decided it and we're going, to, we're going to stick with that. He said Caitlyn Jenner can use whatever bathroom he or she wants to use. Open bathroom policy, he says. So to go on into some other things, you might not be aware that Trump was praised by Jesse Jackson, who is one of the big promoters of what's called the Rainbow Push Coalition looking for social justice issues among the African-American community, Trump was praised by Jesse Jackson for being inclusive, for embracing, quote, this is Jesse Jackson's words, for embracing the underserved communities. So Trump reportedly really likes African-American culture. He says he loves these people's spirit. He's really into diversity in that respect. He got triple the vote from Muslims than Romney got in 2012. He married an immigrant, hires immigrants, got more votes from Hispanics than Romney did four years earlier. Blacks, Hispanics, Muslims, every group, 59% of Hispanics support Donald Trump's position on immigration. Only 33% supported Hillary Clinton's position on immigration. So the idea we have a white supremacist as the president is fiction that's running around at the colleges and is stirring up this anxiety among the youth and people just literally crying and freaking out. It's not a healthy thing for a culture. So hopefully some of these facts can help people take a deep breath and those who might find themselves on the left, and that doesn't matter to me where you find yourself, but let's not find ourselves blocking traffic and scaring children like happened to my children when they witnessed one of these demonstrations, which I was not pleased about. But a couple more facts on the matter. Twice as many Hispanic voters think that immigration immigration is enfor- enforcement is too lax. Twice as many think it's too lax than those who t- think it's too strict. They found on election day, 54% of voters, a poll, Hispanic voters, want immigration reduced. So more of them want it reduced. More Hispanics want immigration reduced than increased. So this is not a thing of, of, of a division in the country. You line everybody up over here in their groups, and they go against this guy and his party and his group, and then you've got culture war. You've got race war. You've got violence and civil unrest and all of these things being sown. This is the perfect program of the devil. It's all deception, and it's all to get everybody fighting with each other because when you have unrest and civil violence being sown and discord, then what does that call for? 
well, a rolling back of civil liberties, and we need to have more of a police state and all of this. So this this all works into end-time scenarios if this kind of thing were to get out of hand. So having some facts help ease our concerns might be a positive thing. Um, you've got the LGBT issue, which I talked about already. Uh, I'm sure many of the Christian listeners listening to this might hear this thing about Trump and the bathrooms and the rainbow flag and all that, and maybe maybe they would be protesting Donald Trump, but the crazy irony of this weird upside down world we live in is you've got the pro LGBT people protesting Trump's bigotry against gays, which there is no such thing. He's been very pro gay. So, uh, you know, I've had that conversation, you know, asked people, what has he done that is anti gay? Not to say that I'm taking sides on the issue or on the candidates or anything, but there's just crickets, nothing. What has he done that's racist? Well, he said we should stop immigration from Muslim countries. Well, Islam isn't a race, of course. That's a religion. You've got a quarter of Muslims in the United Kingdom saying that they support ISIS. So there's a valid policy discussion that could be had there. That's not just a racial white supremacy issue at all. But anyway, you've got the idea. Hopefully people can think come to a determination of what they believe about candidates and politicians based upon some well-reasoned facts. The Bible says, come, let us reason together. And it would never be the position of somebody speaking on behalf of the Bible, Jesus, Christianity, to come down and say, this is the right candidate, this is the right party, this is the right political policy. So I hope I've done this in a fair way, just exploring the facts and trying to help the agitators and, and, and people that are and there. By the way, there are a lot of nice protesters out there, too. I don't mean to throw everybody into that, but please don't. Please don't do mean things. Please don't hurt people. Let's all just get along, to quote Rodney King. We can live in a pluralistic society. People can have differences of, of opinion and points of view. So here's one political policy that I think we can all, as Christians, Forcefully advance. I mean, forcefully, I mean, advocate for with passion and firmness and fervor. And that's called freedom of conscience, religious liberty, different people living and believing different ways in a society made up of a lot of different types of folks from different backgrounds, different religions, different cultures. And that's called e pluribus unum, out of the many, one. You have a free society where everybody agrees upon the principles in the Constitution of freedom of religion, freedom of speech freedom of conscience. So let's advocate for those, leave all of the political divisiveness aside and start to make sure that we are establishing things based upon actual reality and facts instead of just an emotional outburst of anger, which you see in our country today and everybody fighting. You know what? Here's the thing. If we all focus on Jesus and open the Bible together, I mean, if you're talking about the gospel, if you're talking about the three angels message and Bible prophecy, in the context of a class at church or a Bible study in your home. It doesn't matter what people's party is or race or, or, or what culture they're from. You don't think about those things when you're thinking about Jesus and human beings that you love and want to befriend and souls out there that you want to win to Jesus so that they can be in heaven too. The beauty of the Christian church, when done right, is it it's the greatest counterexample to all of this nastiness we see in our culture today. The Hill reported 
that the International Criminal Court is on the verge of opening an investigation into allegations that the United States committed war crimes while interrogating detainees in Afghanistan. So there you have a a new development there in terms of potential war crimes investigations coming from the ICC, the International Criminal Court. I want to talk about some economic news for a few minutes. We've seen some amazing events, unbelievable swings in the stock market. We had right before the election the biggest losing streak since 1980. And then that was followed by huge leaps to new highs in the stock market. In fact, the Dow was down 900 points initially on the news of Donald Trump's election. 900 points in pre-market trading. And then it was up to new highs immediately thereafter in the following days, a 1,500-point swing. Now, if you don't know your Dow Jones Industrial Average numbers, like usually you see it go up, maybe 100 points is a pretty big move here and there or down. This is a 1,500-point swing. Reported inflows into U.S. stocks reached a multi-year record of $31 billion in the week following Trump's victory. But at the same time, we've seen the worst bond crash in 15 years. Bond prices and yields run opposite, so yields are up, bond prices are down. This is a common catalyst for recession because when interest rates or yields, when interest rates go up, there's less borrowing and spending and investment taking place, which is a indicator for recession. So who knows where this will go? We've got stock market bonanza and then we've got interest rates going up, which could be a problematic. Basically, we've seen the, the, the global economic crisis has already been here. It's been called stagnation. In China and other places, it's been called a sustained stock crash. And in the United States, it's been what Harry Dent calls the best house in a bad neighborhood. Uh, we've got a terrible global economy with stagnation across the board, even at the same time as record stimulus from central banks and governments trying to stimulate the economy like they've never done before, and they're producing no results. The United States has seen modest increases in the stock market since the Donald Trump election. Where it will go from here, we don't know. But we do know that economic cyclical theory, when you look at all the various different cycles of ups and downs, the year 2015 up until 2020 is you can expect absent, you know, um, unbelievable inventions of monetary policy and government involvement. The economy really is and should continue to be bad and worse and then worse some more. So uh, if it turns out stagnation and then more stagnation and they're able to uh, pull us out of this, then what that will do is create bubbles so that on the next downturn and the next cycle down, it'll be a way bigger crash. So who knows what's going to happen? Trump has talked about sustained low interest rates as his point of view. So we'll see who he appoints as Federal Reserve Chairman and where the economy will go. Hard to predict now, especially with this change, with this Trump revolution that has taken place, with a whole different ideology coming into Washington. Deutsche Bank says Trump could push the U.S. economy and stock markets to new records. That's what Bloomberg reported. So the real economy and the financial markets will benefit from the new administration, they say. 
But here you also have from Mises.org, the global anti-cash axis targets Australia. Citibank announced that it was going cashless at some of its Australian bank branches. So the cashless society obviously has pretty significant prophetic implications. Revelation 13 talks about a time near the end, the very, very end, where buying and selling will be prohibited for those who hold to the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. So the cashless society on the move, who knows if that'll be precipitated by further economic catastrophes or the signs of the times are all culminating in their own time according to God's timeline. Are we ready for that final conflict? Are we ready to stand true on his word and his word alone? We'll see you next time. To financially support this broadcast, visit 11thHourDispatch.com. Here's Scott Ritzema with another final minute message. Listen to this. We try to make our music so loose and hard hitting so that it hits your soul hard enough to make it open. Very serious warning from insiders saying, this is what we're doing. We're making our music hard hitting so it opens your soul. And of course, Timothy Leary said, the music is designed to blow your mind and suspend your conditioned reflexes, deconditioning. It's trying to get you into an altered state of consciousness. Hypnotic, the way in which sound affects the human organisms are myriad and subtle. Once your mind is open, once your soul is open, once you're under this hypnotic sort of experience, he says, we can indoctrinate you. Dr. Michael Ballum, a musicologist, explains it this way. The human mind shuts down after three or four repetitions of a rhythm or a melody or a harmonic progression. Brought to you by Belt of Truth Ministries.org.